Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. Tough one today, but the boys did not quit. Ricky's boys did not quit today as they lose to the Oakland A's by the score of 5-3. to three. This is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. I probably don't need to ask you, but Chris, how are you doing? Well, you saw me watch that game. You've seen the damn game, as Lupinella said. You saw me watching it. I was right there with you in the score studios today. Uh, I've had better days, but you know what? They, they, put them in, they put themselves in a position the White Sox have to fight another day. So that's all you ask for in our game is just give me a chance to wake up tomorrow and go out and win a baseball game. And as of right now, they still have it. And like you said, Ricky's boys. Ricky's boys won't quit. All right, Herbie. So once again, the White Sox five to three losers today, and they are on the brink of elimination in their best of three playoff series with the Oakland A's. I wish we had more information on uh, tomorrow's starting pitcher. We'll get to that game a little bit later on. But uh, first thing here on my uh, on my to do list, a little housekeeping. Um, what happened to your guarantee? Oh man, it 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 fell flat. I I will take the loss, guys. Sorry, I was a little too cocky. I called Chris Bassett fool's gold, and the White Sox did not back my promise up, my guarantee. So five and two on the year, my guarantees. So the lock of the week won't be going on anymore. I'm I'm done. I'm out of the guarantee business. So I'm sorry. You can blame the loss to me, and you can also blame the loss on me because I didn't send my customary pitcher out that you know i was wearing socks gear which i was wearing socks gear today so i didn't have time because i was doing the cubs game and i had to be prepared for that and ready and so this loss i can take it i'm sure you ate your mickey pancakes i saw john yacast eating his baconator i don't want him to have a heart attack so let's yeah he asked me change it up for him yeah he asked me a little bit earlier and i guess it's it's nice that we're giving him his answer on the podcast but he he tweeted me and he he was willing to wear it this is how you know it's a good team and a good fan base and a good podcast because everyone's willing to wear it here there's no finger pointing here uh with this podcast john yacast tweeted me just a few minutes ago and he said you know what this one's on me I didn't finish all my fries today, so let me know what we're going to do tomorrow. So you're right. I did have my Mickey waffles again today, but obviously it didn't work. There's some going on here. The things didn't fall on the side of the White Sox today, so we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. It's not on anyone, not on one person. You guys, you know, this is a free country, man, so I'm told. So everyone do what you please tomorrow. John Ye, you know, give your heart a little breather. You're not you can't keep up like you could in 2005, okay? 15 years has gone by. We want you around for for a, a decade of dominance here on the south side. So don't go eating those Baconators every day. It's not good for you. Uh, so, And I don't think I'm going to have Mickey Waffles either because I'm going to have to make a run to the grocery store sooner than Sunday. Usually I go on Sundays. I don't want to go again just to get Mickey Waffles. Like, how would I look? <laughs> how would I look going through the self-checkout, like holding Mickey Waffles, just waiting this, in line <laughs> just for that? <laughs> this whole time I thought you just had like a Mickey waffle maker and no batter into it no i've i've got a star wars one i've got like a darth vader one that we seldom use for waffles but these these are made by whoever makes uh you know uh ego waffles yeah they they make a, a mickey shaped waffle and it's not a big deal uh but it's just my daughter prefers them because obviously they're mickey shaped and if you could choose between those or regular waffles why would you choose a regular waffle to be honest with you it's mickey mouse for christ's sake um so yeah so your guarantee it was not worth the uh the podcast in which it was set on um <laughs> so we're, we're not going to charge anyone for that episode last night um the eddie belfort for uh, spirits, rye whiskey, uh, put on hold, hopefully for another night. 
Um, but let, let's get right into this game. There's a lot of stuff to break down here uh, after your guarantee being trashed from this point on. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, <laughs> speaking of things that did not live up to the hype, uh, Dallas Keuchel today uh, was not particularly good. Three and a third inning, six hits, five runs, three earned. Uh, four strikeouts, gave up the two home runs there. And he was not awful today, but he was not helped out by his defense. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, above all, just not what you'd expect for Dallas Keuchel. And this is why this game is can be so cruel at times because Dallas Keuchel hadn't given up uh, runs in the first inning all year. He had a sub-2 ERA. And all of a sudden, what happens here in, in the biggest game of the year for him? Of course, he gives up not only two runs in the first, but in the second inning as well. And it was a hole that the White Sox could not dig out of. But what did you make of Dallas Keuchel's outing today? Just not good. I mean, he usually is pitching to contact, but soft contact or ground balls. This is why fielding is paramount when Dallas Keuchel's out there, especially infield fielding. And um, he, do, he did not come out and he wasn't the Dallas Keuchel of the whole year. So, yeah, he had some errors behind him, but he has to pitch over those errors. And also, he was just giving up rocket hits. Uh, it was uncharacteristic of Dallas Keuchel today. I don't know nerves. I don't know if it was – I don't know. Lack nah, of sleep. It wasn't some- nerves. I don't think – You know, I read some of the post-game comments he had, and they asked him about his outing, and he goes, that's O.co for you. So, like, it seems like he has, like, this built-in hatred of that building. Like, that's why he's mm-hmm. a perfect White Sox right there. Like, he he hates the stadium. So, I don't mm-hmm. know if he just thought, like, fluky things and weird things happen to opposing teams there. And, obviously, he's got that long history with the Astros. So, they've seen him quite a bit. And the A's have a lot of guys that have been around there for a while. And so, you know, he credited them to having a good game plan. But I think, ultimately, he just – he was just – not locating right like he was just he was too high up in the zone mm-hmm. too much too much in the middle of the plate and and you can you know live with with Dallas Keuchel you know pitching a contact we've seen it all season long but when you're up in the zone middle of the plate that's not very good and you know he gave up that bomb that absolute rocket shot to uh, Marcus Simeon that, that 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 tells you all you need to know right there and you don't see Dallas Keuchel look that uh, overmatched uh, all year since he's been in a White Sox uniform I mean, he gave up a bomb to Sean Murphy that was foul. Then Sean Murphy, uh, right after that, hits a single. And then, like you referenced, the Marcus Simeon home run. That's a home run in most ballparks. Just a crushed job right to center field. That's a home run in Yellowstone. (laughs) Yeah, and then the home run later on, which pretty much ended his day, to Chris Davis. Now he's bad. Like all the Chris Davises are bad in the league. So <laughs> that was gonna be gone. So O.co doesn't hold anything. It did those two home runs would have been home runs yeah. in most ballparks. So yeah, it must be a mental thing with him uh going in that ballpark. Great. <laughs> we we don't have to have to be in that ballpark again, which is good for this year. Um for him and then uh maybe next year we got to worry about him or just skip his start but <laughs> i he yeah he didn't come out to pitch well i mean i he's been the best pitcher for the white Sox in the regular season and he didn't bring the intensity he didn't bring the focus the location uh the right pitch mix to today's game which you know that's 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 a struggle and i know he wasn't helped out by nick magical's airs but you, you gotta have that ball was a rocket too it was deep in the hole it was a rocket it's a tough play uh, from nick madrigal okay. i don't i don't 
too much blame him, but also you got to make those plays though. Okay, yeah, all right. So let's let's get to Slappy real quick here before I get to Chris Bassett. Um, <laughs> Nick Madrigal, who we've we've all taken to calling him Slappy because you know uh, not only is he a slap hitter, contact hitter, but he also does things that a Slappy would do out there. Uh, on, slap on, dick. Yeah, uh, a slap Richard uh, in the base paths and out on the field. And I'll say this about that play that he didn't make in the first inning uh, that allowed those two runs to score. It's certainly a, a big turning point in that ball game but you didn't feel like the Sox were out of it at that point but then Dallas mm-hmm. Keuchel just you know wasn't very good after that but that that play that he made I you know I'm not saying that that most second basemen make that play um your elite second baseman make that play your Robbie Cano's mm-hmm. of the world vintage you know vintage Robbie Cano he makes that play um Gordon Beckham probably makes that play to be honest with you um I don't know if Yolmer is out there if he makes that play but when you when, when you draft a guy in the first round to be yep. your second baseman, you, you don't ask a lot of him, and you don't ask him to hit 30, 40 bombs a year, and you don't ask him to do things that other guys in that lineup are asked to do. He's got to make that play, man. And I know he didn't draft himself in that position, and we could argue to the cows come home uh, whether or not they should have drafted him in the first round, but there's few things that he's asked to do on a daily basis that I'm sorry, but your number one pick, you, you got to make that play. And I know it took a bad hop and I hate being judgmental about physical athletic things. Like, cause we've, we've never played the game at a high level. So it's always muddy waters there, but I, he's got to make that play, man. That's, you know, I I've seen tougher plays made in the playoffs. This is the postseason, man. You got to make that play for your pitcher, especially with those two runners on base like that. Yeah, if very least you get in front of the ball, yes. I don't know if you had time to. You smother just it. Let, well, yeah, one run score. That's at maximum. You let only one run score. You live for another day and live to fight another day, and you don't get that. Let that ball trickle into right field. I know it was a tough hop, but you're in the major leagues. This is not rookie ball. This is not Triple A. This is the majors. This is the postseason. We're counting on you, like you said. You're not counting on to do the other things that other people on the lineup are supposed to do. Your MO was great defense, gold glove winner last year in the minor leagues for a second baseman, and solid hitting. That's what you're supposed to be, high IQ guy. That's what you're billed as. Let's see some of that. I see the hitting. The hit tool is there all day long. I haven't seen necessarily all the fielding tool, and the the high IQ is is beyond me. He does not have a high baseball IQ at all. Yeah, and it wasn't. It would be fine if it just stopped there, but it didn't. Uh, there, there was a, a couple of odd base running choices uh, made or not made, you could say, by Nick Madrigal today that that left us pretty pretty irate. Um, go ahead and go. Ahead, you know, let's just let's let let's just put it out there. He's he's not smart out there on the base paths, and we've seen oh. it. We've seen it all season long. And he got himself hurt early in the season, and he's lucky he didn't get hurt for longer. And then he, he he makes sometimes he makes mistakes out of aggression, but then there's other times like today, not picking up your third base coach, and that's mm-hmm. that's a problem for me in the postseason when you're not picking up your coaching. Like it, it shows to me like either either you don't care or or you're just your baseball acumen is not as smart as as we're led to believe. Yeah, let's break down the play. So either he's doing a straight steal, which is why he doesn't look in to Tim to see if he is hitting the ball because he's just going for a second base, or he's doing a hit and run. If he's doing a hit and run, it is 100% inexcusable for what he did. If he's just doing a straight steal, at minimum, 
he has to like, okay, what happened? And he tries to go back to first base. Like, why? Like, he didn't at all look at his second base or his third base coach. He didn't look at the umpire. He didn't look at anything except for, like, Oakland guys deking him. You have to have the wherewithal to understand you, you that's a silent ballpark. You heard a back crack. That's Go. A good, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. You, like, you can't blame it on the crowd or the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, go. You're already committed. So, fuck it. Pick up your, like, some, you heard a back crack. You know it's hit. Look at your third base coach. He, Nick Capra, is telling you, come on. That should have been the easiest first and third of all time. And I know that this is not the space-time continuum where if one thing happens, you change the direction of the future. So people say, you know, he gets the third, Johan hits that ball to left field, he scores a run there. You really can't say that because it's a different thing. The pitcher might pitch him differently in that regard, and Johan might not hit it to left field in that regard. But you put yourself first and third with no outs, you give yourself a better chance of scoring there. Yoan has a probably a better a bat there. And then secondly, after he makes the mistake there, Yoan hits that ball pretty hard. As a guy at second base with his speed, he hit with Yoan hitting that ball that far, he has to be either right by second base for a tag or halfway. It looked like he was almost doubled up, and Tim was too. But Tim ha- can do that because if that guy catches the ball, Mark Canna, which he did, he can just go back to first easily. Nick Madrigal, if that ball falls, he's easily going to score. If it goes over his head, he's easily going to score. Any way you put it, he has to be close to second there and understand the situation. Tim can be right on his ass, like right before he hits second. And if that ball falls, Madrigal can go to third and score. And if Tim's right behind him, he's right behind him. But you have to have the wherewithal to understand the situation. Oh, man, he crushed that ball. You don't need to be close to third. You don't need to be halfway to third. You need to be close to second. So if he does catch the ball, you can advance on that because he's not going to be throwing that ball to third. And you maybe it's deep enough. You can probably score if you have enough speed. But, you know, it just maybe that right there is a rookie mistake, not understanding situations, not understanding how to take advantage of a ball that's hit to deep left center field. But the other stuff, it's just inexcusable. It's not rookie stuff. These are before. These are fundamental things in Little League. And I, it's just infuriating because little things like that cost you ball games. And people want to point at the manager all the damn time when the manager has no effect. Well, he can teach these people this. But I just think this kid is based by IQ is lacking. He doesn't either doesn't care or just got away with guile and hitting the ball all the time at Oregon State and through the minors where people didn't care about all that stuff. It's costing teams runs. It's costing the White Sox runs and maybe wins by him doing dumb things. Absolutely. And, you know, you you, you pretty much nailed it right there. So in the, in the sake of uh, of just getting to, to the other things that happened in this ball game, we'll, we'll move on from there. But we're lockstep on that one. Uh, it's inexcusable. These are things that you learn early on in your baseball life. And for a guy that he's not coming 
to this country, like after learning in, in a Dominican academy somewhere where they learn the game a little bit differently. I'm not saying good or bad, uh, but differently. But this 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 kid went to a, a big time college university, and, and and he's still making these mistakes. Uh, so it's inexcusable. And I know sometimes the moment can get the best of you. But to his credit, uh, that ninth inning, he he didn't he didn't let those mistakes. Uh, he didn't carry it out out there with him to the batter's box, and he's able to get himself a hit there in the ninth inning, and keep that rally going. So just just keep that same intensity tomorrow. And, and hopefully he, do, he doesn't let it fester and, and we correct those mistakes and maybe he'll come back stronger tomorrow and maybe he'll be in a big spot uh, to get a big hit for the Sox. So um, real quick, Chris Bassett, you know, I have this uh, built-in thing where I want to hate him um, mm-hmm. because he sort of – he, Marcus Simeon, they represent the old White Sox way of thinking, uh, trade trade guys before they show you what they actually are. And you trade him for guys that don't live up to the hype, like Jeff Samarja or whatever. Um, I want to dislike him because he represents that era of White Sox baseball, and he he certainly shoved it today against the White Sox. But uh, he mm-hmm. had a couple funny quotes after the game. Uh, he said that pitching to the White Sox for seven innings was a headache for seven innings. And about Tim Anderson, he talked about how he played with T.A. and Abreu, and he loves those guys. And uh, he he was talking about T.A. single that that basically uh, launched him from the ball game in the eighth. And Bassett says, I mean, T.A. is gosh dang incredible, but that pitch I threw dang near perfect and he hit a single off it, which drives me insane. But I mean, he's world class for a reason. So like he seems to be a a good guy and, you know, like there's no like ill will or animosity. And he looks like a guy, though, that you'd want to hate. But uh, reading all these quotes post game, and I certainly we could dislike him for the way he uh, performed today, which was incredibly uh, awesome for the A's today. Uh, He did not. Uh, bring to the table the things we talked about last night. I think he changed his game plan a little bit. Just looking at the metrics after the fact, we talked about him being a guy that that works off fastball uh, and just sort of throws the kitchen sink at you, but primarily forcing fastball type of guy. And we wondered how he had that uh, pitcher of the month award. You know, we talked about the competition that the A's faced all season long being a little bit subpar, um, but today. In that ball game, he had a little bit of a change of a game plan. He threw the majority of his pitches. He mixed it up really nicely today. He threw that sinker uh, 34% of the time. 31 of his pitches were sinkers with the uh, cut fastball uh, being 28%. And then he, he, he moved away from the four-seamer at only 16%, peppered in some curveballs. Uh, as well as uh, sliders too, but ab- above all, like he he had a different game plan against the White Sox he, against an aggressive lineup. Uh, he had to figure the Sox were looking to advance today, so they're going to go out there, go down swinging, and they he did surrender some hard contact, but he changed his game plan a little bit against this lineup. So sometimes I don't like tipping the cap. But he was extremely gettable today, but he was just good enough and made adjustments to the White Sox hitters where he was able to get that dub for his team today. Yeah, I got to tip the cap. I call him fool's go, but he shoved it up. Yep. My yeas today <laughs> and the White Sox ass by doing his, what he's been doing all season long, and especially in September. I think he has the lowest ERA in September out of all the pitches who qualify. Dallas Keiko was second until today's ball game, but Chris Bassett, you got to give your tip your cap to him. The Sox looked like they were getting to him in that inning where Magical gets the hit and then Timmy gets the hit after that. But then he pretty much stops him. A great catch by Marcana. I think they strike out uh, Yasmani Grandal, and then Jose gets out. So um, you got to tip the cap. The guy 
worked a masterful game, and he said it was a headache of a lineup, but he was a headache for the White Sox, too. I was wondering why they couldn't solve this guy, and it looked like his pitches were simple. 94-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle. I don't know who he blew that by. And I was Lior, so probably probably Liuri. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's not that fast. Like, I understand he has a pitch mix there. Like, I hate when pitchers strike out on middle, middle fastballs that are not of great velocity and don't have a lot of movement on it. It's like, ugh, what are you looking for in a two strike count there? Like, you would, you're on fastball, adjust to all the other stuff, and when you get blown by a fastball, I'll be like, oh god, you're a major league ball player. At least follow that shit off. Being <laughs> late if you're looking for something else, but yeah, Lee, it's just so frustrating. So he's he's got something. I'm glad we're never gonna see him again. So yeah. uh, good luck to you, Chris Bassett. I do not hate the guy. <laughs> I mean, he took his trade and channeled that into a good career with Oakland. Him and Marcus Simeon was a MVP candidate last year, lesser this year, but they've channeled that into a positive career. And I didn't think there were either of those guys were going to be the guys that there are now. I thought Josh Fegley was the big part of that trade and thought that he was going to be on to like a nice all-star career. Now he's like the third catcher on the Cubs that made the playoff roster uh, just barely. And so good for those guys. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just the art of pitching, man. It's just changing speeds, changing location and, get, you know, keeping hitters off balance. And it doesn't uh, hurt that you have Leori Garcia, who I don't think is ready yet uh, to play big league baseball. Like, he, you know, he looks a bit overmatched out there in the box. I don't know if that thumb is totally healed 100 percent, but this is what happens when. You know, you're missing Elo Jimenez big time right now. And I hate the fact that this series has gone on so long and you haven't seen Eloy out there. You know, you, you never want to see your team out there in a postseason spot and not have all their guns available to them. But Eloy's still not ready to go. You know, you have to figure all hands on deck tomorrow. You may see him late in the game uh, in, a, in a pinch hit only situation. Renteria said today that they were worried that he'd have to go out there and run if, if he was a DH or if he was pinch hit for late, so that's why they want to have him out there. It's not good. Hopefully, if they advance, he'll be available to them. But it just it sucks so bad. Like he's been so great all year, Eloy, and to not have him is just it's a real gut punch. But it matters because Liuri's not quite ready, and it matters because you can't rely on Edwin uh, to give you anything at this point. And then you have Nomar Mazara come up in a big spot. And then he gets hosed by a bad strike three call by home plate umpire Mike McClinsky. And what did you think about that call? I know I don't want to be one of these guys that that talks about umpiring, but it just it's it's top of mind because the White Sox have been a victim of some bad umpiring over the last couple of weeks. This call on that strike three to Mazzara totally mm-hmm. changes everything late in the game right there. And I know they were able to rally back, and it's not why they lost today. They had plenty of opportunities, but in that spot right there, it's just uh, what, what a kick in the dick right there. Yeah, you can't have that. That's not even close. I mean, as a professional umpire, you have to understand that catchers, especially with that catcher, Sean Murphy, he caught that ball inside, firstly. And then he moves the glove and his body. <laughs> Once he does all that, you're like, why are you moving? If it's a yeah. good pitch, why are you moving all this much? You should understand what they're trying to do to you and know that that wasn't over the damn plate at all and be a professional. You're right there. And, he, the, the, and the, the part about it that I don't understand, like he's looking right over the plate. 
like the catcher gives them the vision to see exactly where that ball's at, and it's not over the plate. When the catcher catches it and then moves it, maybe it moved a slight bit on the plate, but never did it cross the plate as a strike. This is all I want. This is every um, Major League Baseball player wants. Call strikes, strikes. Call balls, balls. That's why they're talking about uh, robot umps. They're talking about automatic strike zones because that's all people want. Pitchers want that. Hitters want that. If I know where the ball is going to be called a strike, I'll swing at it. If I know where the ball is going to be called a strike, I'll pitch it to that area. And it's just unfair to these guys who worked so hard, and the White Sox themselves worked so hard to get back to a spot, to rally, to be taken away like that. That would have put a runner, another runner on base, put the pressure on those guys. It bailed out Liam Hendricks, and, you know, you, I – If, that, I, in, I, if I, that inning extends a little bit and Hendricks is out there for even for even longer, then he's, maybe he's not – they say he's available in game three. I don't, I don't believe – There's you, no way. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, Bob Melvin said he's going to – he's available. I don't think there's, – there's no way that he'll he be – He might a, be available, and the White Sox are like – Bring them, please, Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. Delicious. But when you when you just think about Nomar Mazzara for a second and, and, and battling back and putting himself in a position to be dangerous and to contribute to his team in the postseason after the shitty year he's had, and then to have the bat taken out of his hands like that, it's just it's enraging. And then they even said it on the broadcast. I know you couldn't listen because you were doing the Cubs game today, but even Jess Mendoza was talking about how that, how what a bad call that was, and how the, you know the White Sox have a right to be angry because they were they were chirping like it for for two innings after that to the home plate umpire that you can pick up. On the uh, the microphone, you know, uh, McClinsky saying, "I don't want to hear it from you." And I couldn't tell who he was arguing at because he rung up Dyson too on a pitch that wasn't as egregious. Uh, but the, the what the what Sox dug out, you know, just they were not happy about it. And this is why I, you know, then you don't have to do a makeup call later on because I think Moncada got the benefit of a close call later on. But it's just you don't have to do the makeup call if you get the call right to begin with. You know what I mean? Like because it just messes everything up. Because once you mess up a call like that, and then you you ch- totally change the way a hitter approaches the next at bat or the next pitch or what have you. You know, like which is why I hate it because everything you learn for your entire life about what is or what is not a strike, then all of a sudden you're thinking the opposite in a spot where you have to have your mind clear, be relaxed, be focused, and all of a sudden you have that in the back of your mind, which is it's unacceptable. It can happen in a postseason game, and I know it's the first time having this many teams playing in the postseason, so you have umpires that normally wouldn't be there, but you know, at this is it's it certainly. Wasn't why they lost, but it's something you you cannot see at this level, this stage in the year. And hopefully, they they have a chance to overcome this uh, tomorrow if they just uh, put a couple runs on the board. Uh, moving on here, real quick, uh, the offense today. You know, even after that bad break, they still put together some really really good at bats in the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, Yaz on fire, homers in three straight games, going back to the last day of the regular season. He looks awesome right now. And, you know, a big-time performer right there. You know, he, he kind of had a substandard regular season. He'll probably tell you that. Uh, you know, maybe it was adjusting to, to a new league, new division, whatever. Uh, also just catching every day and dealing with injuries he had earlier in the spring. But once it's go time in the postseason here, he's shown up, man. And a lot of, a lot of great at-bats late in this ball game. And I really thought that they were going to come through. And I, I guess it matters because when you, when you look as – 
stagnant as they looked for so long in that ball game today, and then you put at bats together like that in high leverage moments in the eighth and ninth inning against their best pitchers, and you can carry that over maybe mentally into game three. But I just I love their fight today and the fact that they they they, they did not go down quietly and they scratched and clawed to find ways to get on base. It wasn't everyone trying to play hero ball out there and everyone wasn't trying to hit uh you know five solo home runs to get back into it. They they really had a great approach out there in those final two innings. Awesome. Just really awesome. Man. It's a very encouraging that those guys saw the score and they're like, shit, we're, we're in here. And you heard Bassett talk about the Timmy at bat. Tim, you know, chased him from the game. And then to start the rally in the ninth inning, it was Nick Madrigal with two outs. He could have just gave up and had that at bat just go by the wayside and say, you know what, we'll go and get him tomorrow. But no, we got to give him credit. The kid battled and got a knock, got on base. Timmy follows up getting on base. Then Yo with a great at bat to walk. And the same thing with uh, Yasmani Grandal, great at bat versus Deepin to walk there. And a lot of people have been texting me and, e- and DMing me and then writing on Twitter saying, why is Jose swinging at that first pitch? It's a middle-middle fastball. I just explained to you I don't like guys just sitting on a fastball and letting that go by. Sometimes your best pitch is the pitch that's right down the middle and you're taking. Yeah, I that's, hate that. that was their problem all day long with Bassett, I think, not swinging early enough in the count. You know, yeah, so I, I saw a stat later, James Fegan tweeted it, that that hit or they, they ground out by Abreu in the ninth inning to end the game had an expected batting average of like over uh, 400. So you, that that's just that was a hard hit ball that that usually gets through, but because I thought it got through, but I don't know if they it was because they had a, a slight shift on them or whatever. They were just they were they were out there positioned perfectly, but I thought that was a rocket right up the right up the gut, <laughs> and I thought I thought he came through in that situation. So I think typically I, I think he he saw the pitch he liked, and usually that's mm-hmm. a base hit right there. Yeah, I mean we both thought off the bat. That might have some legs. That might get through, yep. but it didn't. Whatever. It got, they were perfectly positioned right there. It was a rocket shot, and I don't mind him trying to get a hit. He's hosting a brand new. He's an MVP candidate. If he does something this year, I mean, he does something uh, in this season, I'm like, you know what? That man has been so good. I trust all his decisions. Yep. He has been doing things at a supreme level, and getting out is part of the game. Everybody gets out pretty much 70% of the time. I have no problem with him swinging right there. How many times have we ever said, that's a big walk by Jose Abreu right there. Way way to grind out that at-bat, Jose, and get on base right there. No, he has elite recognition of of pitches in the zone that he can handle, and he picked out Mm -hmm. that pitch, and I would have him swing at that pitch 10 times out of 10, to be honest with you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, if he feels like he can handle it, and which he pretty much did, you sometimes you just hit at people. Yep. He barreled that some bitch up. Yep. So, yeah, you got nine guys shrug- out there against you, man. <laughs> you, shrug, you shrug the shoulders and go and get them tomorrow. That's why I feel so confident. I feel good because they probably feel good. They're like, guys, it doesn't matter if they're up on us. They're scared as shit now. <laughs> they know that we're not done. They know that bring your best pitcher in and we'll crush uh, Liam Hendricks and bring Deekman in your high leverage lefty. We'll walk against him and we'll crush him with our best hitter. They know that they're they can do whatever they want. Yosmaro Petit yesterday is supposed to have good stuff. Timmy rocket double, one hundred sixteen <laughs> mile, one hundred six miles off the bat. That's that, that stuff has to feel good for the hitters. Yeah, man. Now the pitching tomorrow, the pitching situation, which we'll get to. Yeah, 
a little questionable, but I know those hitters are like, you're going to face either Mike Fires or Sean Manea. Time to eat both those guys. Lefty Sean Manea, that'll be career suicide. There's no way Bob Melvin's going to throw Sean Manea after what they did to his first pitcher, Jesus Lazardo. They didn't rough him up that much, but they hit him pretty hard and got him out of the game pretty quickly. And I think that's going to be the same thing with Sean Manea. Yeah, and you know, getting back to Deekman, like that's like you said, that's their high leverage relief guy, and they like they tried to hide him. Like if mm-hmm. they if they had their choice, they wouldn't even throw him out there. And that's like supposed to be one of their big time guys out of the bullpen, but because the Sox were so tenacious against left handed pitching, they tried to hide him and they were willing to extend their all star closer for nearly fifty pitches out there today to get the mm-hmm. job done, and now he may not be available tomorrow. So this this may have lingering effects until t- t- tomorrow's game, and that's why it matters. And sometimes a loss is a loss, and you move on. But in a short series like this, you know maybe these things will have an effect tomorrow, and that that's why it all matters. And you know to that point, like it's the unfortunate part about this that it's only a three game series because whatever happens tomorrow, like we're you know people are going to make you know, grandiose uh, judgments about about the White Sox in general and and the offense. Like, if the offense doesn't have a great day tomorrow, like, you know, they could run into some tough luck, you know, hit balls right at people. But but what, what you said, like, the, the opposing manager is going out of his way to hide a significant percentage of his pitching staff because this offense is so dangerous. And with this game, sometimes you just can't come through with the big hit, hit when you need to. But you learn your lessons and and maybe you get a lucky break. I think the Sox are due for a lucky break tomorrow, to be honest with you. They didn't get many today. Uh, that, that Canna ball, you know, I don't know if he had to leap to get that ball, but he certainly made a nice play. But mm. maybe on a good day for yourself, maybe that ball – you know, gets out or it's just out of reach, and you know, I think they're due for some good luck because they've had they've they've been hitting balls hard all series. The White Sox, so I think maybe uh, it's due with a tax bullpen and a pitching staff in disarray in Oakland. Now, as far as the uh, the White Sox pitching staff goes tomorrow, Rick Renteria said it's uh, it's TBD, which means TBA, and we can certainly speculate, and which is what we're gonna do right now. Um, Herb, let's let's hear if you if you had Rick Renneria's managerial baseball pants on right now, how would you line up the uh, the 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 pitchers for tomorrow's win or go home? And by the way, Nick Madrigal did say after the game, if they don't show up tomorrow, they're going home. So you don't think he's got a high baseball IQ, but the lad knows what's at stake tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and before I get to the the uh, actual uh, pitching staff tomorrow, I want to celebrate some things. Um, TA three for twins. Oh no, no, no don't no, do it. I would no. say no. Okay, we're gonna grave dance. Nope. Grave dance on the yep, twins. <laughs> Goddamn right I am. Eighteen <laughs> losses in a row, and they're sending their punk ass back home. Yes. Enjoy your AL Central Championship. I hope you guys have a ceremony at the beginning of next year. Look at it with fondness. Enjoy your banner. Say your punk ass is in Minnesota. Maybe you can purify yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, you bums. Always losing, just garbage. To a to a also ran Astros team, it's garbage at the crib too. Just garbage. And we got a little good news too. Right now, we're taping this uh, about nine o'clock. The um, Yankees hit a grand slam, and now it's five to four. <laughs> Yankees over the Indians mm, oh. in the fourth inning. Uh, you hate to see it. I hope I hope the Windians go home too. <laughs> Enjoy yourself in Cleveland. They're they're at the crib too. Winning that game, the last game of the season, thought they were all good and taking second place from us. Oh, here's your here's your prize: the goddamn Yankees <laughs> and members Enjoy of the God- and members of the goddamn Yankees. Um, yeah. So for 
Go ahead. No, you I was going to say. Dave Grave Dance, too. No, well, you know, I, I hate the Twins. I hate the Indians. They should change their damn name already. Um, but, tip, you know, I'm going to go against the opposite of my instinct today because my Mickey Waffles didn't work. And normally I would say I don't like to Grave Dance on a division rival because the White Sox series has not been settled yet. Usually I would save that for tomorrow. Game, I know. Sox won a game, and you know, they should just by default give the White Sox the AL Central title for winning a playoff game. So I don't want to get too excited about the twins and indians just yet because i would like the white Sox. maybe like i would love to do a double episode tomorrow where we celebrate a white Sox victory advancing and then do a separate grave dancing episode and talk about rosario uh booting that ball around yesterday and 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 sergio romo walking in the go-ahead run yesterday and i can <laughs> probably muster some energy to do that too if we win I'll yeah if i, can see, I think so if i can do it i'll have the bell four spirits out and I'll, I'll certainly uh be loose with it and uh Hopefully this the the Cubs can extend their series and I get another day game on Friday. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, but, it's not that I hope the Cubs lose. I just you know I like to have our show, the Lord's yeah, Home Show, gets absolutely by the Cubs baseball. So yeah, f all that noise. But yes, yeah. to, to go back to your original question, <laughs> I I'm not grave this- dancing today. Just in short, I'm not going to grave dance. As much as I hate the Twins, uh, it, it's such a cruel game, and I and I would hate to to see that come back. Because if we grave dance, then we'll get an email from the Twins people, and then they'll they'll, they'll laugh at us tomorrow. So maybe I, maybe I'm running scared a little bit, but I just like to keep the good vibes, babe, as Matt Spiegel would say, out into the ether. So, uh, but yeah. With it makes, it makes me out there. I got you. Yeah, it makes me happy that they're not in the playoffs anymore. I'll just put it like that. I'm not going to laugh because baseball is so cruel, especially after what happened to Nick Magical out there today with the ball going under uh, over the glove. You know, I don't want to put that bad energy out there. But yeah, you can ask me. Yeah, do do I hate the Minnesota Twins? Yes. Do I enjoy not seeing them advance? Yes. I'll just say that. Leave it there. That's great. All right. So for the pitching staff tomorrow, I would have it set up like this. Start the game with Matt Foster, and you ride Matt Foster as far as Matt Foster can go. I think that's maximum three innings. And if Matt Foster is the guy that I know he could be, he gets through that in, those innings unscathed. Most one run. Then you pair him up with either, if you want to, if, if right-handers are the, the kryptonite of this A's team. I believe they are. And right, they right-handed right-handed velo- velocity from the right-hand side, I think, is their weakness. Then you go for a guy that pitched today in Cody Hoyer right after him. Then if Cody can give you an inning, inning and a third, two innings at maximum, then you can go to Evan Marshall. And then they're probably going to be changing things. And you haven't seen Garrett Crochet at all. I would put Garrett Crochet in there and see what the A's want. Probably none of that. With a lefty with that type of velocity, they're good. They're real good and see how far he can go until you hand the ball over to Aaron Bummer and or uh, Alex Cosme. I'm about to call him Jesus Cosme. I think <laughs> maybe his brother or cousin, but Alex Cosme to close that game out. That's how it go. A full bullpen game with an opener and guys just following up a Johnny Allstaff, but with no starters, no traditional starters, just the guys that usually come out of the bullpen, are used to this role, used to push it, pitching out of the stretch and understand that they need to give up nothing. And they've been good all year. I think the White Sox uh, bullpen have been a uh, top five ERA in the, on the whole season. So that's what I'm going with. I love Dane Dunning. You know me. I'm a Dane Dunning mark. <laughs> a lot of pressure to put on a rookie pitcher 
that is coming off Tommy John, and you've seen his last two starts where he looks fatigued, not hitting his spots like he did earlier in the year. You, Tanny? Oh, oh hi, Mark. Um, well, I, I, t- I thought you were copying off my paper. I had to put the, mm. the I had to put my folder up so you weren't copying any longer. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I got the I got the Kubel scouting report. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted earlier today, like in the middle of the game when I thought this game was done. Uh, I tweeted. I'd like to see – this is before Hoyer came in to the game today. I tweeted, I want to see Foster for two, so we're locked up right there. Hoyer for two innings, Crochet for two innings, Bummer seven, Marshall eight, Colome nine. That way you're not disrupting those guys, what they normally do. Uh, those those latter three guys did not get in today, so they, they, they're rested. Colome did get up and throw, but I don't think he'll be affected that much tomorrow. Um, but you know, after thinking about it, you know, tomorrow would be Dane Dunning's normal day to start. And my gut, like if I'm a manager, my gut feeling says that he's hit a wall after the Tommy John. We've seen it. The last two starts have been lackluster from him, but right-handed, good stuff, lots of movement. Uh, I, I feel like that would be a good weapon to throw out there against the A's for one inning, maybe two. Like just have a guy who's used to going through the process of what it takes to start a, a major league ball game, it, it, it might be just, you know, for that sake of normalcy, I think it would be good for the Sox maybe to try, try to start dunning out there tomorrow, but have him on the shortest leash possible. If he goes out there and go and throws an immaculate inning, maybe let him go a little further because the further a starting pitcher can go tomorrow, the more dangerous your bullpen becomes. But, uh, but my gut, gut, if I was Rick Renteria tonight and if I wanted to plan this out before I go to bed, I don't think Dane Dunning is part of that mix. I don't think Dylan Sees is part of that mix, even though he had a nice inning today. He said that he'd be available tomorrow as well. But I think the bullpen has been the strength of this team all year. And even at adverse circumstances, they've been so good. So I I, I would be inclined to, to do the plan that I had on Twitter today with Foster starting the game and hopefully getting you two innings. Now, I don't know, Hoyer pitching today, if that changes the dynamic of how long they would let him go tomorrow. But I think it would be a feel thing if he's, if he's cruising out there for a little bit, let him go a little bit longer. They'll be able to rest uh, after the series is, is set. But, yeah, I, I like – the options they have tomorrow and I you know I didn't think we'd be at this point when we talked about this third starter all season long where you're in a do or die situation and where you say oh I feel good about the White Sox bullpenning it and doing a Johnny Allstaff in a winner go home scenario but it's happened before and these 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 games these winner take all games a lot of crazy shit happens man and you're going on matchups and you're going on making people feel uncomfortable out there and if the Sox can get on the board early I think it would really help this out and all these guys would be itching to get out there and and resume their normal roles and in, in, in short relief Foster Hoyer the crochet thing uh, just you know this crochet and bummer you know coming at you back back to back or or sandwiching a right hander in between them that that's a recipe for disaster if you're an opposing offense so I, I hope that they do the right thing and give the ball to the guy who has basically made two starts already this year Matt Foster and who's been rock solid all year um, you always worry about nerves with these young guys but I can live with that if if Matt Foster goes out tomorrow and gets rocked for the first time really all year you know, I'm I'm cool with that. You know, if if the, if the moment gets too big, you know what? That's fine. This is a house money season, a house money game where it's all about variance tomorrow, and the best team is not necessarily going to win tomorrow. So you just kind of have to live with the results. But the bullpen again, the strength all season long. 
Let's let them do their thing. The nastier stuff from this from this pitching staff is coming out of the pen. It's not coming from Dane Dunning at this point in the season. Maybe you would have said uh, a few weeks back when he made his debut that that's the nastiest stuff that you can throw out there to start a game. But right now, I still think it's the bullpen. And when when bats are tight, when you're holding that bat a little tighter, and you got those guys coming in with the velocity and 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 just you know pounding you in the zone like that, I think that's that's the best recipe for the White Sox's success tomorrow. And uh, I feel good. Uh, let's get the predictions out there. You know, I, I predicted the Sox would lose in three, but the series, like I, you know, I'm allowed to change my mind. I would think this is uh, this is my podcast here. It's our podcast, so I think I can change my mind here a little bit. Uh, I can evolve. Uh, my opinion can evolve. Uh, it's okay in this this world we live in. Yes, so I think uh, the Sox will win tomorrow. I think the bullpen is going to do bullpen things. Garrett Crochet is going to become a household name because of his performance tomorrow. And I think the bats will carry this positive momentum, and I think their bullpen is depleted, and the the best guys that they'd like to use are not going to be as effective if they get in there tomorrow. So I think the Sox put some runs on the board early, and they they relieve a lot of that tension for us, and the bullpen takes it over from there, and then all of a sudden the White Sox will advance and win their first playoff series in 15 years. That's how I see it playing out tomorrow. I'm I'm, I'm backtracking on my initial prediction. Yes, what do you think? I'm right there with you. This is October baseball tomorrow, first game in October. I think the White Sox will rise to the occasion. Uh, today's game will help them with just, firstly, their confidence, but also it will put doubt into Oakland's minds that the game is ever over. Get out to a big lead, we're still coming for you. Uh, get down, it might be over because those guys in the bullpen, we haven't scored a run against them. That's what Oakland be like. Chicago's bullpen has been filthy for us this this game. We've only scored runs over uh, against the uh, starters this game, so or this series. So we gotta get out to a big lead. We gotta hit this is an elimination game. These guys are out there kicking our ass, and they're never coming. I mean, they're never stopping. They're relentless. Chris Bassett said it himself. It was a headache facing those guys. And whoever's starting for Oakland, if it's Mike Fires. If it's Sean Manea, both of those guys are going to be like, damn, I saw what they did to my other people, and we're not as good. It's going to be a tough go. Their bullpen has been good all year long. The White Sox have had no problem with these guys. Nope. None. And if, if Liam Hendricks is available, good day, mate. We're going to be hitting his ass, too. Like – Grant Balfour. We this is revenge for Grant Balfour. Dude, I bullshit. did think that same thing. I was like, oh God, here we go. Here's here comes an, uh, another ownery Ozzy. I now nah, you're gonna shiv it up our ass, Mike. Um, late in the ball game in a playoff series, but uh, just a little perspective here. You know, we were frustrated with the Sox offensive output or lack thereof for the early parts of that ball game, but. The opposing pitcher admitted, like, you know, going through his mind, it was exhausting. And this is the guy who won Pitcher of the Month award for the month of September for the American League. And even he admitted, like, yeah, man, it's this lineup is a grind. So, if you know, if hearing that from an opposing pitcher should give you all the confidence in the world to go out there in a game three and just be relaxed loose and hopefully score early we've seen how many times with this Sox team score early and the rest will take care of itself and you just keep padding that lead because once you get out to that early lead and get into that team's bullpen they, they're just the, the onslaught the, the the runs just don't seem to stop for the White Sox at that point they just keep adding on and adding on the deeper you get into that bullpen the later you get into that game so they got to be feeling good I'm feeling good about them and whatever happens tomorrow like I'm not going to think any any less of this team one way or another because they put themselves in a spot uh, you know they backed in and, and they're not in a great situation but they they they're against a formidable opponent here 
but they they've played good baseball. They 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 showed the tenacity to fight back today. You know, other than Madrigal's mental errors today, they they've played strong ball all season long. And now you're you're sort of putting yourself, you're sacrificing yourself to the altar of the baseball gods tomorrow in a winner go home situation in a best of three series. And and hopefully the lesson learned here going forward is you don't want to be in a in a best of three series uh, in 2021. If they if they take this short series away for division winners, give some incentive for a team to win the division next year and stay out of this situation because I don't think any baseball team wants to put themselves at the mercy of what's going to happen in a in a three game series. So I'm feeling good going in tomorrow, man. It's going to be a stressful day. Lots of stress eating on deck for sure. I mean, I already did it tonight. I got like 15 chicken wings and I maxed them from a place called uh, River, I think Ravenswood Station. It used to be called The Rail back in the day. Mm. We used to eat 10 cent wings. Now those some bitches are 25 cents on Mondays. But uh, today we just, I was like, uh, Courtney's like, hey, we're going to get some food. I'm like, get me 15 and some fries because I'm <laughs> going to emotionally eat tonight. Even though I was happy with the effort, still, the loss is the loss. I ate. I ate good. We had a nice shake from uh, Margie's. Walked all that oh, stuff off. Margie's, too. let's go, Margie's. Yeah. Oh yeah, we live right by Margie's, so it's all good. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling good. Tomorrow's gonna be a good day, and I'm gonna enjoy a nice breakfast, maybe some uh, some Cheerios, uh, nice healthy honey nut Cheerios with some almond milk, uh, and then come to work at about ten o'clock and enjoy just some downtime before I gotta get on the board for the Cubs. And hopefully those some bitches make it a laugher for me. Yo Jarvis does his thing so I can concentrate on the White Sox game at two. You know, with me doing the Cubs board, I got to actually concentrate on what I'm doing because I know one mistake. Mitch is like, come on, Herbie, this is real. Come on, we need this. And I don't want that. And that's what I was doing today. I was just making sure that I don't fuck up on Cubs board. And, you know, in the corner of my eye, look at some of the Sox stuff. But. I need the Cubs to do some work tomorrow. If you're a Sox fan that hates the Cubs tomorrow, just cheer for them. Because think about your boy. Think about think I about need, think I, about me. Think about me and getting another yeah. another day game so I can spend the day with my kid today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> think about Tanny. He's got to do Mickey waffles every day. Well, not anymore. But yeah. then he's got to you know teach his child at home. He needs to have some time at home with his child. Just regular father daughter time, not just father-daughter uh, school time but father-daughter time today was great think about him so root for you darvish tomorrow yeah it was root for jose quintana to come out a uh, former white Sox, if you want to Ooh, that bullpen stuff or josh, or josh fagley that bullpen stuff they were doing with the air guitars oh. oh god i had the douche chills watching that i know that's their thing in the bullpen but i've i don't remember seeing that all year where the cubs are playing electric guitars and doing air guitars in the bullpen, especially our guy Q out there. You just want to be like, you know, when you see like a guy that you've known for a lot of years, date a different chick, and all of a sudden he changes who he is. That's how, how I see Jose Quintana right now. I see him in that bullpen dancing around like a damn fool. I'm like, come on, man, this ain't you, Q. Come on back to the south side. And, 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 and yeah, so, we wouldn't have you in the goddamn bullpen. You'd be chilling in the dugout. You'd be starting game three pitching, tomorrow. Yeah. Not pitching at all. Well, yeah, he probably would be pitching in game three tomorrow. Um, I would have Q. Not not this version of Q. The guy nah, who yeah. left us, Q. That um, guy. But yeah, back- he would have had no decision, but he would have pitched well. But yeah, today was real. It was picture day for my daughter. So they like because they're doing the virtual learning, they had to space out pictures for all the kids. So basically it was like a 
like not even a half day of school. It was like a quarter day of school today. So I took her to get her pictures taken at her school. And then we left and we went up to my dad's house up in Rogers Park. And I gave him some of the uh, the uh, the swag that the White Sox were handing out on Monday morning where they had the uh, change the game flags. And they had like a Xfinity White Sox uh, megaphones, you know, noisemakers or whatever. So we went up there to, to see Grandpa and dropped off some some swag today. So it was nice. But then I get home tonight, Herbie, and uh, I think what I'm about to tell you would qualify as grounds for a marriage annulment. So I walk in the door today, and we've been eating um, uh, chicken fettuccine all week. And it's been delicious. My wife made it. It's got those delicious sun-dried tomatoes in there. And it's been great, a great meal all week. But I get mm-hmm. home today, and my, and my wife's chilling out after a long day of work and dealing with a kid. And she, she's, she's laying down. And I, I get in the kitchen, and then I see a pizza box there. And I'm like, oh, okay, a little pizza box action here. Okay. Mm. Oh, we'll skip the fettuccine tonight. You know, socks lost. You know, we'll, we'll break up the routine. I opened the pizza box. There's nothing in it. And I told her, I was like, you don't just go out there and leave a pizza box on the kitchen counter empty. Like that's like the cruelest trick you can play on a man is just leave an empty pizza box. You open it up and you see nothing in there. So I, I, I gave I gave her a good good tongue thrashing after that. So not in the, not in the good way either. Uh, so I said you, you can't be out here doing that. Like this is grounds for for a divorce right here. Like how could you do that to a person? And she acknowledged the error of her ways. But how would you feel if you walked in and you saw a pizza box on the counter and all of a sudden it was gone? I think her dad came over with a few slices left over and they and they had some you know. But because it was a pretty big size box which was like i was confident there was gonna be some in there and there was nothing in there so that was uh that had be furious <laughs> yeah Absolutely furious. especially <laughs> coming off a day of work and i know it's dinner time it's like all right pizza uh surprise pizza too man my day got elevated and then you open that some bitch up you're like ah oh, no pizza who would do this <laughs> at least and have the decency to throw it in the recycling bin so I can't see it. Well, yeah. Or something. Yeah. It's like, so, I oh, so you guys ate pizza? Cool, smooth. It's, and it's gone? I'm A, all good. But, yeah, it's right there on the counter. It looks like it's all good. If Yeah, if Courtney would have did that, man, troubles. <laughs> um, troubles. I was going to just throw I would have been really pissed that no pizza was there for me. Not that she ate the pizza. I'm good. She ate the pizza all by I, herself. I ate the pizza all by myself. <laughs> I ate the pizza. All by myself. Nobody else eats. Eat the pizza. Like I told her, like I was gonna throw all of her shit out on the lawn. <laughs> like I, we're gonna have a waiting to exhale moment here in this house, <laughs> and I'm gonna throw all your shit out on the lawn <laughs> next time you do that. So, but but uh, but all was well, and I, I had the chicken fettuccine. And it was delicious once again. But yeah, man, that's a. Uh, uh, life is a married man. You got sometimes you still have to to lay down the law. Be like, hey, this is unacceptable. Communication is the key in any marriage. So here we are. I thought we were gonna have a short episode tonight, but here we are, nearly an hour into this thing. Uh, it's therapeutic to to vent after a uh, a tough loss tonight. But hopefully, this time tomorrow we'll be celebrating. But we'll have to wait and see. I man, thought you were gonna say that she got like papa john's that would have definitely been grounds for divorce especially with all the great places by your house oh yeah and in chicago in general like if ever if ever i come home and they see papa john's i'm throwing that shit in the garbage immediately Popper, i'm Popper like John. where do we do we lose a war what happened do we live in san diego now something like because that's like san diego's best pizza papa john's but yeah that would be a the most egregious do you think if you guys like papa john's at home you guys are the worst people it's terrible you guys know it's terrible any pizza where you need dipping sauce with it 
is shit. <laughs> Do you think when they were like doing city planning in San Diego, when they were building roads and laying out infrastructure, that they were like, all right, look, it's going to be the beautiful, most beautiful city in America. You're going to be right here on the ocean, perfect weather 24-7. You pay like a quarter to park your car all day, but we can't give you any good pizza. I'm sorry. That's that those them's the rule, San Diego. And you think like the, you know, the people who settled in San Diego were like, hmm, this is a tough one. We don't know, yeah. what, we don't know what pizza is yet, but hmm, okay, we'll take that deal. <laughs> so is that what happened out there? It had to because literally, I mean, I'm not shitting you guys. We stayed at a place in Mission Beach and right down the street, you know, in Chicago, you can probably go to any place that's a local joint. Get a slice. It'll be a nice representative slice. It might not be the best pizza you ate, but you were like, man, this is delicious pizza. Great pizza. And that thing where people say uh, bad sex is like bad pizza, it's still good. Hell no. <laughs> this was the worst pizza I've ever had in my life. We got two slices each, just regular cheese pizza, because that's all they had left. And we took it back to the Airbnb. And this shit was like cardboard, like a like a covering of tomato sauce. I'm not to not like um, marinara tomato yep. sauce and burnt cheese on top. I was like, pizza's not that hard, guys. It's literally not that hard. If you could, you could just buy somebody's dough and put it in your oven and buy some marinara and buy some cheese and make it better than what these people had. I was like. Why in this thing? They do have one place. It's called Filippi's. That's pretty good. But it's just they just put like a gang full of cheese on their pizza. And I think a lot of cheese is just cheating because that's probably the least important ingredient to a good pizza. I think number one is the dough, then the sauce, and then the cheese and toppings. So I don't know. Yeah, I. that's one of the problems I had with San Diego. And the sports are not that great either. So <laughs> it was. it's a great city. It's a great place to live. I think, you know, God's like, I can't give you fish tacos, burritos, carne asada, and good pizza. You got to choose <laughs> one of these some bitches and sushi too. Choose one of these that we're going to have to eliminate. And they're like, uh, we really don't need pizza. Fuck it. And so that's what they got. All right. That about does it for us. It does. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Twitter, at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, at Ecknerwall23. You want to email us? It is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Send us your questions or your comments there. We have Mailbag Monday every Monday. For Chris Tannehill, and the show is at LockedOnSocks on Twitter and Instagram. For Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. We'll talk to you tomorrow, hopefully after a victorious Game 3 in Oakland, going to L.A. to face the Astros because the Astros beat the Twins because the Twins are bad. Thank you for listening to Locked On Socks.